in a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries. One group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Dennis Matouche. Jeff Mazuka. Each week, we take a look back at one movie that is reaching that 30-year milestone. Whether you love seeing these films in the theater or enjoying them for the first time at home, we invite you to join us this year as we travel back in time to 1986. I am your host, John Reed, and you're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. Welcome back once again, friends. Um, you are listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. Uh, I am your host, John Reed. I am here all by myself this time around uh, because this is a surprise episode. This is one that we were not planning on doing. This was not on our list of movies to take a look at this year. Um, but a few weeks ago, I was kind of looking up something. I, w- I was going through some stuff and, and researching something else and then came across this movie, and I had never seen it before. And I realized it's a 1986 movie. It's weird. It's probably bad. Uh, but it's also a sci-fi movie. And April is our sci-fi month. It, well, loosely a sci-fi movie. We'll put it that way. And April is our sci-fi movie month. So I thought, you know what? We have to do this. And I had not put this out to the rest of the guys. So they did not have a chance to watch it. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to I'm gonna put this together. And I'm just going to release this as an extra uh, episode somewhere. So this is most likely going to be. Because uh, we just did our episode <clears throat> on Invaders from Mars. So that was episode number 64. This is most likely going to end up being episode number 65. Uh, but it'll come out, come out sometime around then. What movie am I talking about? It's I'm I'm almost like talking in circles. It's it's almost like a riddle, which would be exactly what this movie is about. This movie is Doctor Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam, which was released in January of 1986. Now, there's probably a lot of you out there going, "What the heck? I've I've never heard of this movie before." Doctor Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. It sounds like a children's cartoon, which you probably are not too far off. Um, this is actually the first movie. Well, I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit, but just to start off with, this is the first movie, uh, in which Jim Varney, uh, who played Ernest, if you've seen ever the Ernest goes to camp, Ernest goes to jail. Um, you know, some of those other movies, Ernest, uh, Ernest scared, ah, Ernest scared stiff. Is it that one? Now I'm going to forget what the name of the movie was. Anyway, the Ernest movies. And if you grew up in the 80s and you saw Ernest on Ernest and uh, you know what I mean, Vern, and all that on commercials, uh, then you know what I'm talking about. If you did not grow up in the 80s, you probably have no clue who Ernest is. You have no idea. The closest thing you have to Ernest is Jim Carrey and probably the Ace Ventura movies. So we're going to talk about the very first movie that uh, Ernest was ever in. And he's not even really a main character in this movie. He starts off the movie and he kind of comes at the end of the movie. Um, But this is the only Ernest movie that does not have Ernest in the title. So uh, let's go out. Let's go back to our uh, disclaimer here real quick. We do spoil all the movies we talk about. So if you have not seen the movie... Um, good luck finding this one, but if you have not seen the movie, make sure that you go back and watch the movie first. If you don't care about spoilers, come with us, walk with us, join us on this ride that is a crazy, weird ride 
this time around. Uh, if you don't mind being spoiled, so stick around. If you don't want to be spoiled uh, and you want to see the movie first, it is actually available on YouTube. I could not find this. Most times when I find these movies, I find them at the local library um, or I, I you know, try to grab a copy of it somewhere really cheap on DVD. Uh, this one, hard to find, and I wanted to kind of get this done fairly quickly. Uh, so I did not order a copy on Amazon. Didn't really want to spend the money to order this movie. Um, but I did find it is in 10 parts on YouTube. So if you want to watch the whole thing, take a look for Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam, uh, one out of 10 and then two out of 10. And then, it, you know, when you start playing it on YouTube, it'll usually autoplay, uh, through the next ones. So you can watch the whole movie there on YouTube. Um, if you have not yet, uh, we would really appreciate it if you leave us a review on iTunes, but more important than that, tell your friends about us. And if you don't have friends, go make some friends so that you can tell them about us. Um, we we want to get as many people following us uh, on Twitter and Facebook and all those other places. Um, we just we, we want to get this out there. You know, we've got we love talking about movies and uh, we think we've got a fun show. So if you agree, tell your friends about us. And um, we just kind of think it's a fun idea to go through and, and pick a year and run through some of the great movies that came out that year or not so great movies. Uh, in the cases this one might be. Um, so yeah, so tell your friends about us. Um, just let them know that we're out there. You know, Give them the 30podcast.com. Let them go check out the site. Uh, we'll even take suggestions. So as, as you guys can tell, I'll, I'm not afraid to throw in some random movies now and then that are not on our, our main list. So if you've got something that you want us to check out that's this year from 1986, uh, go ahead and go to our website. There's a form that you can fill out to suggest a movie if we don't have that one on our list already. Uh, and then we will take a look at that and we will uh, take your feedback and a lot of times we'll read it on the air. Um, but then we also, we'd love some other ideas of movies that maybe we haven't taken a look at, ones that are maybe off the beaten path a little bit. Uh, so feel free to go ahead and, and fill out that form and, and give us some suggestions because we'd love to hear from you. All right. Um, I don't think I have any, well, I don't have anybody to talk to, so I don't think I'm going to do a whole lot of mo new movie news right now. Oh, very, very quickly. I am not a huge Doctor Strange fan. Not that I don't like it. I just never really read the Doctor Strange comic books all that much. My brother is a big Doctor Strange fan, so I think he's probably fairly excited about this. Um, I texted him earlier today, and he, he said he thought it looked pretty cool. The new trailer came out, uh, I believe, last night uh, for Doctor Strange, Marvel's Doctor Strange, and it looks awesome. It's, it's a little bit... You know, a little bit Marvel superhero, a little magic, a little mysticism, uh, a little bit of Inception mixed in. I think they had the, the scenes of the city kind of folding in on itself. And and knowing that this could possibly be tied to the quantum realm that they talked about in Ant-Man, um, where Hank Pym's wife got lost when she shrunk down uh, too small, um, knowing that it could be tied into kind of that area of things, uh, that was kind of cool too. And knowing that... Um, what I do know about Doctor Strange is that he's very, very powerful in the Marvel Universe, so it would be really cool to see how is he going to get used uh, when you get to the Infinity War movies. So I thought that was pretty cool. So even though I'm not a, a big Doctor Strange fan, I thought this looked really cool. I thought Benedict Cumberbatch looked exactly like Doctor Strange from the comics. Um, so cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's the one thing, uh, we've talked about it before, so I'm not going to say too much about it, but that's the one thing about the Marvel movies, and I'm a DC guy. I am a diehard DC guy. Superman, Batman, Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, you know, give me those, uh, Martian Manhunter, give me those all day. 
I'm a much bigger DC fan than I am a Marvel fan, but Marvel is knocking it out of the park with getting me excited about their movies. DC, it's more of like a cautious optimism about their movies. And that's not how I want to feel about a superhero movie. I should be excited that a superhero movie is coming out. And DC, you're just not exciting me. Um, and I, it hurts me to say that because I want to be excited about it. But um, it's just it's just not happening right now with the DC movies. I liked, if you listen to our podcast, I liked Batman versus Superman. I liked it. I don't know that I could say that I loved it. And it did not... It didn't excite me for the other movies coming up. There were things that I saw, and I was like, okay, that's cool. I'm looking forward to see how they do that. But when I get to these movies like Captain America Civil War and Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and you know, if they do a sequel to Ant-Man and now Doctor Strange and Black Panther and characters that I don't even know anything about beyond their names, never read Black Panther. You know, never read the actually never read the Avengers as a kid. But I'm excited about their movies, and that's one thing that I think they're doing right that DC is not doing right. I don't know if I'm a little bit biased, and I'm, you know, I have that cautious optimism. Maybe I'm a little more carefree because I could, I don't care as much about the Marvel characters. So whatever they do, go for it. It's all cool. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just more emotionally invested in the DC characters, so it makes me a little more nervous. Yeah. So maybe that's unfair to say, but that's just my little rant on on Marvel DC. Um, and that's it for my new moo. Cannot say it tonight. Moo movie news. It's it's all about cows. They're replacing all the DC characters with cows. Um, I might actually go watch that one. That might not be too bad. All right, so um, I'm going to go ahead and jump in to our movie this time around. It is Doctor Otto. That's O T T O. Doctor Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. This movie was released on January 1st, 1986. It is rated PG. Uh, it was directed. And so here's, they've all kind of done the same thing. It was directed and written by John R. Cherry III, uh, produced by a man named Coke Sams. And I, I thought maybe that was like a drink and where you bought it from. But, um, uh, and then music by Shane, I want to say Keister, but it could be Keister. I, I feel really bad for the guy if his name is Shane Keister. Um, but I'm not going to feel too bad for these guys because all they really ever did was the Ernest movies. Not a whole lot of other stuff uh, from these guys. Yes, they did, you know, produce and direct a few other things here and there, but for the most part, these are the guys that are solely responsible for the Ernest movies. And then Shane, whatever your unfortunate last name, however it's pronounced, um, one of the really the only other things that I found that he did was the music for Ernest Goes to Camp. So there is that. This movie's a little bit different. It was a direct-to-video movie, uh, so I couldn't find any information on budget, couldn't find any information, there's no information on box office, couldn't find any information about how much money it made, so we, we got nothing there. Starring Jim Varney, uh, who died in 2000, he played several parts in this. Uh, Dr. Otto von Schnick, ick, ick, uh, Rudd Hardtacked, Laughing Jack, Guy Dandy, Auntie Nelda, and Ernest P. Worrell. Uh, he was in Ernest Goes to Camp, the TV show, Hey, Vern, It's Ernest. Uh, he played the dad in Beverly Hillbillies, the 1993 version, and he was Slinky Dog in Toy Story. Glenn Petich, I think that's how you say his name, uh, was Otto's head hand, because if you're going to have a, I mean, if you're going to show up in the credits, why not show up as Otto's head hand? Uh, he was the writer for the Hey, Vern, It's Ernest TV show and some of the other Ernest stuff. Mike R. Mueller played Lance Sterling. 
He was in a movie called At Close Range and a lot of the other Ernest movies. Jackie Welch played Doris. She was in the Ernest movies and I think the TV show and was in a movie called Country Strong. Daniel Butler played Slave Willie or Kegler. Uh, he was in the Ernest movies and the host of America's Dumbest Criminals. Er, um, Esther Houston played Tina. She was in the Ernest movies and Love Potion Number no. 9. I think we're starting to see a pattern that a lot of these people were all in the same movies together. Uh, Tina Getz played Rhonda Sue, and she was uh, in a movie called Fast Food. Jennifer Wood played Monique, and she was in a handful of TV episodes, not a whole lot there. David Landon played the bank president Rutherford, and he was also in a handful of TV episodes. Uh, credit, Rotten Tomatoes did nothing from the critics. Audience gave this one a 41%. Siskel and Ebert, no reviews. Uh, Cinema Score had no reviews for this one because it's a directed video. No awards for this one, although I believe uh, Jim Varney was given a, a Worst New Actor Razzie Award in 1987. So I don't know if that's because of this one, but. Um, and and uh, summary, I tried to write down. A summary for this, but I end up deleting the whole thing and just putting the sentence, how does one begin to describe this? Um, I'll do the best I can. So, again, this is the first Ernest movie, darker than the rest of his movies. If you've seen Ernest, Ernest Goes to Camp and uh, Ernest Saves Christmas and, and all those other ones, they're fun. They're they're very reminiscent of, they've got a very much like a peewee vibe. Um, to me, growing up as a kid, the Ernest stuff and peewee's playhouse... Um, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, those were all very similar characters, very outlandish characters, um, you know, crazy voices, um, you know, crazy side characters, stuff like that. So to me, it was very, very similar. The Ernest and Pee-wee kind of went hand in hand as, as part of that generation. Um, let me try to give you the overall synopsis of this movie. So there's a, there's Dr. Otto von Schnick, ick, ick. Um, and he has decided that he has, he's invented the gloom beam and what the gloom beam does when it's fired from the top of his, uh, castle lair, uh, from a cannon that I'm not going to say exactly what the cannon looks like cause it's slightly inappropriate. Um, but when he fires this gloom beam off from the top of his castle, it is affecting the financial markets of the world. He starts with Cincinnati and then I think he moves to Akron. Um, but, uh, it, it affects the financial markets of Ohio and then ultimately the world. And I think it's mainly an attempt to create chaos because that's what he's all about. He just wants to create chaos and do things that are evil. And he successfully does all of these things that are evil. Uh, in the midst of all this, he has a, um, a changing coffin. And what this does is it allows him to change into uh, different characters so that he can kind of hide from Lance Sterling. Uh, the man who has been sent to stop Otto von Schnick. Schnick um, so Lance Sterling and his assistant Doris, um, which actually should be the other way around, Doris and her assistant Lance Sterling, are off to try to stop uh, Dr. Otto. And I want to say hilarity ensues. Um, hijinks ensue. And there are some moments that are, you know, give you a little bit of a chuckle, a little bit of a laugh. suppose that could be Mr. Potato Head? Uh, it doesn't feel right, Lance. Well, 
What do you think it means? Well, I don't know. So, it could be Mr. Potato Head. Yes, Lance, I suppose it could. I thought so. You know, this one, in terms of watching this as an adult versus versus watching it as a kid, I never watched this one as a kid. Um, I did see the other Ernest movies, loved the other Ernest movies. Um, remember seeing Ernest in all kinds of commercials. So let me back up to that a little bit. Um, Ernest was a character that was created by a Nashville ad agency uh, in, in an attempt to advertise uh, some local products. Um, my understanding is it originally started when they had, and I'm trying to remember where I read this, but they had an amusement park that they were trying to advertise. Um, this amusement park was, and this may be partially a made up story, but this amusement park apparently was so bad, like it looked bad. They wanted to advertise it. They wanted people to come there, but it looked so bad. They would not show it on TV. And so they wanted to come up with some kind of character that would cause you to forget the fact that you haven't seen anything about this amusement park. Um, and so they came up with uh, Ernest and Vern. The idea being that Ernest is kind of the really obnoxious know-it-all, but he's really dumb um, neighbor that is coming over and bothering Vern all the time and trying to get Vern to do stuff. Vern is the is the guy behind the camera. So if back in the day, you know, Vern had a GoPro on his head, that's kind of what's happening. Because when when Ernest tries to get Vern to do something, you know, the camera shakes back and forth like he's shaking his head. And that was kind of the gist of the commercial. You know, through the course of Ernest trying to convince Vern to do something, he'd give information about the product or the place he wanted you to go or the restaurant or the tires they wanted to buy or Brahms ice cream or something like that. And a lot of times the commercials were very regional. And I read somewhere that over the course of the time that he did these commercials, he did 4,000 commercials. And a lot of them were, were very rarely national campaigns. They were mostly very regional, local stuff. Um, I remember growing up in the South, um, I remember seeing him in a couple of different commercials. I think he was in Mellow Yellow commercials for a while. Um, he was, uh, we have family in, in Missouri, um, near Oklahoma, and that's, I think, uh, Brahms Ice Cream, uh, the restaurant is based in Oklahoma, so I remember seeing him in a lot of the Brahms ice cream commercials. But um, yeah, so it was just this ad campaign, but but it was all over the country too, because I think he was in stuff, in like regional stuff in California and just all over the place. So this character, like people really latched onto this character, and I think maybe for some of the same reasons that people liked Pee-wee. It's this very, there was nothing... There was not a whole lot that was inappropriate about him. Like it was very clean, um, you know, very, you know, he's just kind of this almost seemed like this country bumpkin that's, that's trying to sell you something, um, you know, but he's, he's kind of funny and goofy. And um, so I think it's, it's very, very similar to the reasons why. And for me as a kid, the reasons why I liked Pee Wee, very similar to the reasons why I as a kid thought Ernest was hilarious. There's a little bit in, in, in his movies. There's a little bit of gross-out humor. There's dumb jokes. There's puns. Um, and I will admit, I have not seen any of the Ernest movies since I was a kid, so it'll be interesting as we come up to those in the next couple of years um, that uh, I think Ernest... What would be the next one? Is it Ernest? Okay, now i got to look it up. Because um, I think one of the first ones that's called Ernest does something, like Ernest Goes to Camp. I think it was Ernest Goes to Camp is the next one uh, in 87. 
let's see, it's Ernest, yeah, Ernest Goes to Camp is 87, Ernest Goes to Jail is 1990, Ernest Scared Stupid, that's what I was thinking of, is 91, Ernest Saves Christmas, and I think that that was the last time, I think Ernest Saves Christmas was probably the last one I saw, so I did not see the ones that kind of went on into the 90s, Ernest Rides Again, Ernest Goes to Africa, Ernest Goes to School, um, got some other ones here. Ernest in the Army, Slam Dunk Ernest. Uh, yeah, so I have not seen those, and apparently there were some other ones like Ernest Spaced Out that never got made and, um, you know, Ernest and the Voodoo Curse or something like that. So there's a whole bunch of these movies. I think I saw the first four, and and that was pretty much it. But it was very similar to a whole Pee Wee Herman idea, and it was this movie in particular, this uh, Dr. Otto and the um, uh, Riddle of the Gloom Beam, you could tell this was a way to try to introduce a larger national audience. If you saw him on TV commercials, I think this was supposed to be a vehicle for Jim Varney to really get these characters across. Because this was just, especially with the changing coffin um, or the transmogrifying machine, I forget what the name of it was. But I think this was, it was a chance for him to show off as many characters as he could possibly do. And that's a lot of what this movie is. It's just a constant, even the riddle that's supposed to drive the story is an excuse to get you in these different situations where you see these different characters, whether it's Laughing Jack the Pirate or Guy Dandy, uh, the wealthy man who has everything, or um, you know Auntie Nelda or whatever it might be. It's an attempt to show off these different characters and just allow him to create these crazy situations. Those youngsters look like they're having themselves the time of their lives. Physical training, especially when started young, can mean so much to a healthy, well-balanced life. Lance! Come back here! I'd love to, Doris, but duty calls. You know that. I've got to find a phone, fix the car, save the world, that kind of thing, huh? And it's kind of like, I think I, I read an uh, interview with Coke Sams, the one of the men who was the producers, and he said, you know what, sometimes we just sit around in the room and we just throw stuff all over the place and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And half the time, you know, the companies like Disney worked with them and, and you know, they said, well, Disney half the time didn't understand what was going on, but it was popular. So they said, go for it. Keep doing it. Um, so and that's kind of that sums up this movie. Like this movie is a little weird. I'm not going to say it's great. Most of the acting is horrible. Um, you know, Jim Varney is funny. But at the same time, it's different watching him as an adult as it was as a kid. I used to think Ernest was hilarious as a kid. But watching it now as an adult, I'm like, okay, I, I got a few chuckles out of this. But if I saw this on TV again sometime, I don't think I'm going to stop and watch it. It's not one. When I watch some movies again, I'm like, oh, I got to show this to my kids. This is not one I'm going to show to my kids. Uh, there's plenty of other funny movies that I'm going to show to my kids. I'm not going to take the time out to show this one. Partially because there's also some stuff in here that's not really for kids. I was kind of surprised from what I remember of the other Ernest stuff that in watching this movie, there were several things that while as a child you would kind of gloss over these and, and probably miss them, I'm watching this going, whoa, that I didn't quite expect that to be in a uh, in, in an Ernest movie. So, um. And I even, I, while I was taking some notes on this, I even said that Dr. Otto's lair is like a creepy, twisted Pee Wee's Playhouse. So it's got a very similar vibe to that. 
Um, you have a lot of recurring gags or references in this movie, and some of them are just so weird. And they're so it, it. I think what they were trying to do was just to be so weird with some of it that you couldn't help but chuckle and be like, "Oh, they mentioned Booyah Base again." I think somebody, one of the writers, must have just said, "Hey, Booyah Base is a funny word. Let's keep repeating that over and over again in the movie." Um, so they repeat Booyah Base several times. Uh, Lance Sterling as a character is ridiculously stupid and sexist, but to the point where it's meant to be funny. Like you're supposed to see his sexism towards all women um, as something that is ridiculous and outlandish. Come to challenge me face to face, have you, Mr. Lance Sterlingsky, or whatever you call you? Ready. Self now, I want. Uh, no, we just want to use your phone. See, we had car trouble, and, well, my AAA is you expired. You won't be using your... Ready. Three-letter code words to your... Ready. Tommy, comrades in the bus, what? <laughs> no, 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 not that. No, we were driving, see, trying to figure out this riddle. Pull this. Ready. Tommy, come in the... Guest. Room over there. We'll play a few little games with it. Ready. Red rumps. What? Uh, there's a lot of dumb jokes in this, as you would kind of expect from something like a Pee Wee or, you know, an Ernest. They're talking about financial markets collapsing and, you know, the dollar collapses, the pound collapses, collapses, uh, Frank, the Frank collapses. And then they're talking about the French Frank, the money. But then all of a sudden a guy falls down on when they drop the newspaper and it says the headline is the Frank collapses. Then a guy falls down on top of the newspaper and somebody goes, no, Frank. So you get the idea. Um, and then there's the constant gag of when they when they read through the riddle, um, Lance Sterling's first response is when one of the first parts of the, the riddle is um, uh, someone with no eyes to see or, or he had no eyes to see. His answer is always, oh, so it's Mr. Potato Head. Where that And he keeps repeating it throughout the movie. He, he's never right. And people... You know, tell him, Doris at least tells him he's not right, but he continues to repeat it. And other people are like, oh, so it could be Mr. Potato Head. So just kind of dumb gags like that. Um, some of the dialogue, though, from Dr. Otto was kind of funny. Um, there's a point where Lance and Dr. Otto, who are supposed to be you know, two guys that were born at the same time, one obviously born to a, a family who loves America and loves voting and has everything. Um, and portraits of George Washington every there were portraits of George Washington all over this movie, uh, apparently even in the White House bathrooms, um, which you need a password to get into. And then they show the unfortunate circumstances to which Dr. Otto was born uh, and how his parents were not quite as loving as uh, Lance Sterling's parents were. And so then they get a, there's a conversation uh, later on in the movie where Lance is saying, well, you, you missed our 10th reunion. He's trying to Kind of be nice to Dr. Otto. You missed our 10th reunion. Dr. Otto says, I was introducing cholera to third world nations. And Lance says, well, that's a good excuse. But a lot of people were asking about you. So it's kind of, you know, there's some funny stuff in there. Some, you know, it's kind of funny lines, little little chuckles. And as an adult, I don't think I laughed out loud. I probably would have laughed out loud in several parts of this movie as a kid, had I watched it as a kid. But as an adult, it was just kind of a, ha ha, okay, that's, that's funny. Um... So what I was talking about, well, let me let me back up a little bit. Let me actually read the entire riddle. And the riddle makes about as much sense as the rest of the movie does. So the riddle is this. And, and this is the riddle that's supposed to help people figure out how they can stop his 
destructive gloom beam and, and save the financial markets of the world. When the money is scrambled to the very last cent, riots and hatred soon will commence. When all the world's commerce will be put in a bind from the evil that lurks where the sun never shines, it is I, Dr. Otto von Schnick, ick, 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 who has played you, who has played on you this trick, ick, ick, ick. But who's Dr. Otto, you may well ponder, while all your magnetic cash is squandered. It's he who had an eye and yet couldn't see. It's he who served Bouillabaisse when he was a she. It's he who gambled with brains and a gun. It's he who had all and yet had none. And to stop this horrible twisted trick, just exchange the poles of old Saint Nick. And if that doesn't do to save the day, put another quarter in and try another play. It makes no sense at all. And half of this I don't think ever even comes back up. Later in the movie, there's a few things here and there, like it... It's telling you ahead of time a little bit. It's foreshadowing the different characters uh, that are in this. You know, he who had an eye yet couldn't see is Laughing Jack the Pirate. He who served Bouillabaisse when he was a she is Auntie Nelda. Uh, it's he who gambled with brains and a gun was um, uh, Rudd Hardtacked. Was that his name? The Australian? Yeah, the Australian character Rudd Hardtacked. Um and then what was the last part? It's he who had all and yet had none was Guy Dandy. So just kind of giving you, you know, giving you a way to get introduced to the different characters that are coming without really letting you know. So there's a few things in this movie that are definitely not for kids. And um, so I want to bring that up real quick, especially if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, yeah, I love the Ernest movies, but I've never heard of this one. I, I loved them as a kid, so I'll show my kids. You may want to watch this one first before you show this to your kids. Um, I wrote in my notes, while this is clearly a kid's movie, it's not so clearly a kid's movie. Uh, there's gross out, stupid humor. There's Varney's characters. All of that stuff appeals to kids. Like I said, much the same way that Pee Wee, uh, or even some of the early Jim Carrey stuff. I'm thinking like Ace Ventura, um, some of his characters on In Living Color. Um, I read a couple of places that Jim Varney and Jim Carrey were friends, but I couldn't find anywhere that really confirmed that. Um, or at least that Varney was an inspiration to Jim Carrey. I don't know. I couldn't find anywhere to confirm that fact. So I'm just going to say I saw it somewhere, but but I don't know if that's the case. But very, very similar actors. Um, in fact, to the point, I was going to say it later, but I'll say it now. If they were going to do a biopic of uh, Jim Varney's life, or if they were going to try to reintroduce this character for uh, like a funny or die clip or, or something like that, um, or maybe do like a remake of one of these movies, Jim Carrey would be perfect. I think Jim Carrey would do a great uh, Ernest if they were trying to bring that back. So I'm not saying they need to bring it back, uh, but if you were going to bring it back and you were going to pick somebody who I think was very, very similar to a Jim Varney in that way, I think Jim Carrey could, could do it right. So here are some of the things that I kind of found a little strange to have in something that in terms of humor and, and some of the other stuff, is is very clearly a kid's movie. Um, several characters make references that would go way over the kids' heads. There's a bit of cleavage here and there. There's a lot of women tied up and either screaming or moaning. Um, there's some comedic use of Russian roulette, if Russian roulette could be funny. Uh, the bank president almost commits suicide, and when someone comes and kind of stops him and continues to talk to him, he keeps the gun in his mouth, and then as he's talking to the guy, so trying to play that off for comedy and, you know, as kids who maybe don't understand the seriousness of all that and the, and the repercussions of it, or if you're, you know, 
if you're watching this and you're not willing to just kind of switch your brain off a little bit, some of that could be a little, little risky. Um, you know, I, I thought it was, I, I kind of cringe chuckled when I saw some of those things. So, um, it, it depends on what you're up for. Uh, I mentioned before, I don't really need to talk too much about the cannon that fires off the gloom beam from the top of Dr. Otto's lair and, and what it necessarily looks like, but you can imagine having something in the shape of a cannon and yeah. Um, one scene in particular, the laughing Jack scene where he's a, he's a pirate and he's got this woman tied up and, um, her clothes are kind of tattered and the rest of the pirates are kind of hanging on her a little bit. And it was one of the more adultish scenes of the whole thing. Um, he makes a comment and says something like, you know, you'll, you'll, learn to love this more once you have a taste of the whip. And he's got this whip, and you think that he's going to take the whip and start whipping her um, and torturing her with it. He actually takes the whip and kind of like almost makes her lick it, like sticks it up to her mouth, and and she makes some kind of comment. She's like, no, no, I still don't like it. And so I'm watching that. It's It's done. It seemed from an adult perspective that it was done in a little bit more of a sexual way than you would expect from something that's supposed to be kind of a kid's movie. Um, so there's all that stuff. So just be aware if this is something, if you love the Ernest movies and you're thinking, Oh, I'd love to show my kids this one. Just be aware. You may want to take a look at this movie first before you, before you have your kids watch it. Um, just so you can decide, you know, for yourself, is this something that's right for my kids? So there's one thing that I thought was an interesting metaphor for this movie. There's at one point in the movie, um, Lance and Doris, and I think it was Tina. Um, I think Tina was one of the hench women that, uh, or hench babes, I've heard them called, um, of Dr. Otto. He had the three, three women that kind of were always hanging around him. And so Lance and Doris, and I think it was Tina, they are at Auntie Nelda's house and they're sitting down at the table and Auntie Nelda is fixing them this soup that apparently has eyeballs and other stuff in it, uh, which she is referring to as bouillabaisse because you got to bring bouillabaisse back up again. Work, work, work. That's all I do. I hire a domestic. It's like adopting a child. He creates work for me. I ask him to do a few simple tasks. Water the flowers. What happens, I end up watering the flowers. Well, you little darling, you blow me. Here. I hope you strangle on it. You're lucky to get it. Little flowers in China don't even get water. Bonjour. This is the incompetent I mentioned earlier. Please. I hope it's called duck. You would. And um, they're sitting down at the table and they are starting to pour the wine. Um, the robot uh, servant is pouring the wine. And Tina says something like, I hope it's cold duck. And under her breath, Auntie Nelda kind of says, you would. Um I didn't know what cold duck was. So I'm like, is, is that supposed to become some kind of a innuendo? Or I mean, I mean, what's is that some one of those kind of adult things that's supposed to go over kids' heads? Does it have? Is this like a secret code for something? Um, which was funny because just earlier today, uh, there was a there was a student at one of our schools, and they had been uh, called to the office because they were wearing a T-shirt that said Netflix and chill. 
and nobody in the office, they're like, oh, well, why why did your teacher send you down here? And the, and the student said, well, my teacher said my T-shirt was inappropriate. And the uh, none of the office staff knew what the real meaning of Netflix and chill are, and I'm not going to explain it here, other than, suffice to say, an activity between consenting adults. You can read into that, uh, whatever you wish. Um, but I was sitting there, and I kind of heard this going on. I was working on something in, in another room, and I kind of poked my head around, and I said, well, yes, based on the type of dress and the type of things that we would, you know, have, uh, consider acceptable in a school. Yes. It's kind of inappropriate because based on what that means, it's, it's not appropriate for school. So then I had to inform the rest of the office staff what that meant. And then they went about their day feeling more informed. And of course that's as a teacher, that's my job is to make sure people are informed, not always about Netflix and Jill, but just informed in general. Um, so this whole cold duck thing, is this supposed to be a code for something that I don't know? Is it like an eighties version of Netflix and chill or, um, apparently, so I looked it up because that's what I do. Apparently cold duck is a type of wine that is a mixture of wines or champagnes. Depending on whether you're a wine aficionado, um, this might be an inferior drink or I saw there were a lot of people online that were commenting that they loved this drink. Um, apparently what cold duck is, is it is the, when you make a champagne, uh, I think it was mostly champagnes. When you make a champagne, whatever's left over, like the leftovers that don't get bottled, um, you can take the leftovers from these different types of champagnes and you just kind of dump it all together. And when you dump it all together, that's cold duck and you can bottle that and serve it. So it's kind of like the leftovers of everything shoved all together in one bottle and then served. And so there's a lot of wine aficionados that are that are complaining like, oh, this is like really lowbrow stuff. It's it's disgusting. It's horrible. It's cheap. It's it's just a mixture of a whole bunch of crap. Um, and other people are like, oh no, I I love it. Like this was one of my favorite drinks. I remember you know having this at holiday times, or I'd go to this one restaurant somewhere, and and that you know they'd serve that, and I just I thought it was great, and I loved it, and I have fond memories of it. And I thought, you know what? That's a really good metaphor for this movie. And, and some of the other earnest movies, but this one in particular, there seem to be people that love it and remember it fondly and others view this as a confusing mess of the leftovers of Jim Varney's characters. Um, so take it as you will. This, this movie is a glass of cold duck, a bottle of cold duck. Uh, you could view it as something that you love and, and have fond memories of, or it could just be a conf- kind of a confusing mixture of stuff, just like whatever whatever got thrown up against the wall, the whole spaghetti thing, you throw it against the wall, see what, see what sticks. Um, that's kind of this movie. So, um, again, if you love, so here's kind of my, my wrap up for this. If you love Jim Varney, if you love the earnest characters, you're probably going to love this movie. There were parts where I still chuckled as an adult. Was the movie overall good? Not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but you know what? I watched it once and now I can say I've watched it. Um, apparently they had thought at one point in time of doing a sequel to this. It was something like, um, uh, Dr. Otto and the, something like Dr. Otto and the song of the spider women or the, something like that. I'm going to forget what it was, but, um, they had talked about doing a sequel to this and, and it never ended up happening, never materialized. Um, but I can say I saw it once. It's Jim Varney, and I think Jim Varney's hilarious. Um, I like his different parts, just like I like Jim Carrey, just like I like Pee Wee Herman. 
uh, for the same reasons. So if you want to give this movie a try, I'd say go check it out on on YouTube. Um, I don't know that unless you're just a diehard Jim Varney, earnest completist, um, don't necessarily go buy a copy of this. Uh, if you can find it at your library, great. If not, just go to YouTube because it's all on YouTube uh, in 10 parts on YouTube. Go check it out there. Otherwise, you know, a fun movie, um, 1986 sci-fi spoof, crazy, messed up, twisted little comedy. Um, you decide if it's for you and your kids. Uh, I'm not going to decide that for you. I'm probably not going to show it to my kids because I, I think there's much better things that I'd rather show them that they haven't seen yet. Um, you know, there's only so much time in a day to go back and, and watch old movies. So I'd probably rather show them like an Ernest Saves Christmas or a Ernest Goes to Camp or something like that at some point um, before we get into, you know, before we'd ever get into something like this. So, uh, again, funny movie. Give it a try. If you love the Jim Varney Ernest stuff, then go check this out because it's worth your while. Um, otherwise, avoid it because it's weird. <laughs> it's it, There's no two ways about it. It's just kind of weird. Um, so anyway, so that is that is my episode on Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. Um, a weird, quirky little movie. Um, but like I said, go check it out. If, if you like that other stuff, if you like his other movies, go check it out. Um, yeah, he died very young. I think he was only about 50 when he died. So I, there was a lot more that he could have done. I don't know. I know I mentioned earlier about if they were going to do a remake of any of these movies. I don't know that you can remake Ernest. And I don't know that there's a reason to. Um, because these movies are very much of their time. Uh, it's a little bit like Pee-wee. I still have not had a chance to see the Pee-wee's Big Holiday uh, that's on Netflix right now. What I've heard is it doesn't have the same magic. Obviously, Pee-wee is, is older now. He probably doesn't look any older, but he's older now. It doesn't have the same magic that it did um, back in the 80s. And it's just, it's a different time. So I don't even know if you were to do, if Jim Carrey were to do an Ace Ventura now, would it be as popular as it was back then? If, let's say, Jim Varney was still alive now, if he were to go back and do Ernest, I don't think it would be as popular. I think it's very much of its time. Um, so I don't know. I don't know that I could see them remaking any of these. If they decided to, like I said, I think Jim Carrey would be great. I think he has those wacky, crazy characters. He's a little bit older now, so you know he'd look about the same age as Jim Varney. Um, but I think if anybody could pull it off, it would be him, that he would be a good fit for doing this could be interesting to see a, a, a biopic of uh, Jim Varney's life. Apparently he was a very serious actor, um, you know, did Shakespearean stuff and, and, you know, had just a photographic memory for things that he read and, and just memorized all kinds of stuff, plays and poems and books. And, and so I, it'd be interesting to see a story of his life. Um, you know, he's just kind of, especially since his death, he's just kind of disappeared and you don't really have people talking about Ernest anymore. And I think most people, if you asked them now, they'd have no idea what you're talking about. Um, so I could see that. I could see Jim Carrey doing something like that, and that could be interesting. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. Uh, you can join us back here next time. Uh, so next time around, it is going to be, what are we going to be out of this? Is that episode number 66? I think, depending on what this one is, I think this one ends up being episode number 65. Um, and so next time, episode number 66, is going to be Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. 
Um, and I am looking forward to that one. I started watching it the other day and I ended it. I had to, I had to stop it for a little bit. I was on my lunch break and I stopped it at the moment where they get off the Klingon bird of prey and, and Kirk says, everybody remember where we parked. And then it, you know, it, it's got those uh, couple little beats and then it's, they're on into the, uh, into downtown San Francisco. So I am looking forward to that one. That is a fun, fun movie. Um, and then at the end of the month, aliens, I love, I've said it before. I love Aliens. Loved Aliens as a kid. I'm looking forward to watching it again. Um, great, great movies that we've got coming up. So if you love sci-fi movies, if you've got friends that love sci-fi movies, if you're walking down the street and you're listening to this on your headphones or you're driving and you see somebody that's got a sci-fi bumper sticker or a sci-fi t-shirt, stop them and say, hey, you, get your hand... No, that's from Back to the Future. Hey, you should listen to the 30-something movie podcast. And the guy would be like, or the girl, would be like, where can I find him? And it's a girl, she probably doesn't have a voice that deep, but where could I find him? Like, well, 30podcast.com is where you can find him, or at 30podcast if you're on Twitter, or facebook.com slash 30podcast. You don't have to say it in a weird voice like that, but I feel like the more exuberant you are, like the more excited other people are going to be. So go all out, like... Shout it from the rooftops that people should listen to 30podcast.com because they should. It's going to be good for them. It's like spinach. You know what um, it's like exercise. No, don't say that. Um, I don't know. It's good for you. So listen to it and get your friends and get strangers to listen to it too because that's what we're here for. So I'll have the other guys back with me next time as we take a look at Star Trek 4. And until then, we will see you all later. Know what I mean? Like an open wound. Know what I mean?